shining a beacon on the bazaar. Another Scotch egg arcade? Ah, why not arcade? Why not? Bit of brown sauce for dipping it in. Ooh, go on then, Skipper. Oh, can you believe this? I mean, it's so warm here on Kraken Cove. It's unnaturally warm. It's lovely. Yeah. Sun's shining out of my bald spot and all. Yeah, but it's lovely. What's nice is because it's like a microclimate here. Now, if you look on the uh, mainland at the moment, you can see uh, everyone's uh, trampolines getting blown around. <laughs> <laughs> Those trampolines. There's tiles, there's things getting ripped to shreds. But here is a balmy 22 degrees. <laughs> Good old cool. Oh, this is easy. I can't. Well, these are actually my own recipe, my gluten-free Scotch eggs. Very oh, nice. nice. Yeah, that's it. So they're nice. They don't give me the shits. <laughs> <laughs> but they're the best. You see, I, I love. Yeah, what finer food is there when you have a nice bottle of beer yeah. than a Scotch? Because I, I always eat the sausage part first and then leave the egg to the end and never combine it. What? I know it's weird, isn't it? You I never. <laughs> I love that wrinkled, crinkled little egg inside. It's do, like do you treat. like it? I love it. There's I something about it. the uh, um, Scotch egg egg yolk, which is a bit creepy. It's like chalk yeah, in it. It is <laughs> weird, actually. The yolk, but I love the rubbery whiteness of oh, the uh, wrinkles. And that's it. It's true. <laughs> what, what, what's your thoughts on uh, a pickled egg? I ain't had enough of them. I really, because you know, you're in a pub, you look at it and thinking, I can't, I can't physically put my hand in to grab one. You know what I mean? I just yeah. look at them and I think they're just. I don't think I've ever had one. Yeah, well, I've got two mates, and what they did, they went through a period where they really got into into pickled oh, yeah. eggs, right? Uh, and they actually bought an entire, you know, one of the big jars of catering <laughs> jars of pickled eggs. Excellent. Because what happens with pickle? It gives you the farts, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. Really? yeah so, anyway, so every night they're in there firing the way that these pickled Ooh. eggs are. Right? Farts are plenty. Everyone else in the shared house is getting really fucked up. Oh. One lad <laughs> has just had enough. He said, "I'm not going to eat any more of these pickled eggs. It's revolting." <laughs> Other ones making a big deal still in it. <laughs> yeah. Just eating these pickled eggs. He won't give up with fucking pickled eggs, right? Until the other lad who bought the pickled eggs yeah, and he had enough, right? Poured out half the pickling vinegar, right? And filled the rest with piss. <laughs> oh, God! And oh. so then this other lad... Oh, oh that's me! <laughs> This other lad, then it took him ages, and he was still rubbing in his like, oh. eating with relish. Good, hey, hey, look at me, look at me. Um, I mean, this because yeah, you enjoy that pickle. Yeah, egg. lovely. And the other lad waited right till the end. Oh, the last, last egg, egg. last oh. egg. <laughs> to tell him. Oh, how poorly would you feel after that, though? I know. Oh my, I can feel my guts going now. <laughs> Oh, wee wee eggs. Wee wee eggs. <laughs> what a combination of pickle, wee and eggs. Give <laughs> me oh. the farts from that. Pissy farts. Oh, I can't. Oh, that's wild. Can you taste the pickle on it? Yeah, a bit vinegary. A bit vinegary, the vin- yeah. vinegary, yeah, a bit sharp. I give it a go, oh, but I've just never done it. No, it's, uh, I've I have done it. Um, do you although know, uh, I, I used to work with a chap, um, and what he recommended was. Um, and it's a, this is a southern thing apparently, right? It's <laughs> pissing in your own mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Salt and vinegar crisps. Yes. Get your crisp bag, right? You crunch it all up the crisp bag. Oh, also, yeah. all, it's all, all, all the crisps are smashed. Yeah, yeah. Get your pickled egg and dip it into the oh, crisps. Oh, that <laughs> sounds really good. That's excellent. I like that. And he couldn't yeah. believe we didn't do it. He said, what? That's yeah. what you just do, don't you? It's like, no. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. Oh, I feel like I'm missing out on these. I get oh, to the pub immediately. We need to <laughs> maybe pickle our own eggs in some paste. <laughs> <laughs> get them dipping some crispy crumbs. Oh, crispy crumbs. <laughs> <laughs> so what, do you want, do you want, do you want a beer, another beer? Another yeah, Papa's in another ale. Another beer, so we've got Scotch egg beer. Let's see what else we've got on the spread here. We've got things like sausage rolls. Oh, nice little tuna sandwich. Tuna sandwich. Mm, I like a tuna sandwich, but I'm not in the mood, to be honest with you. Not? No, do you I don't like brown bread. Do you know, I think you are in the mood for like, mm-hmm. a bit of casting. No, I'm always up for that. Because this is Crack and Cove, <laughs> the podcast that shines a beacon onto the bazaar. And I'm Matt. And I'm a Benny. And today we're going to be casting from the beach. Mm. Because it's, although it's uh, it's almost, well, it's, it's, it's the start of February, <laughs> which I always think is the worst month in the world. Do you? Because January is minor. No, February's the worst yeah. for me. Oh. Yeah, February's the worst month for me because it's sort of thing. You get through January, right, which is shit. Yeah. And then you sort of think to yourself, oh, yeah, we're nearly there, nearly at spring. Uh-huh. Then we have like loads of snows. Uh, yeah. Everything yeah. is freezing. Yeah. It does go extreme February, doesn't it? I like snow. I don't care about the snow. I, love I, the snow. I like it, but it, it's, it's, it's just. Just towards the end of it, I've had me fill. Oh, yeah. I've yeah. had me fill. So that's the thing. That's yeah. the problem. I've, I've, I've had me fill by then. But no, so what we're going to do is, I think while we're sitting here, have a nice little picnic, do a bit of casting, Ooh. and uh, see what we can see. <laughs> by the sea. I think what we'll start off with, I think, a little news update. <laughs> and uh, to, to be fair, most of the ones we're going to have today are sort of like natural history or nature oh, sort of oriented, nice. which I think would be quite good for. Especially in the sun know. being outside here, yeah, that's nice. That's it, you know. And the, but the only uh, the only way this thing is uh, this story is linked to nature is the Gullwing doors. Golden doors. Crack on, I ain't got, yeah. I ain't got a Scooby. Because this is talking about Ty DeLorean again. <laughs> <laughs> All them doors, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, we, we've discovered that there's a, a chap called Ty DeLorean, claims to be the son of um, John DeLorean, who started the DeLorean Car Company. Yeah, well, um, in Back to the Future Car. And Back to the Future Car, exactly, right? So I've, I've done a bit more digging. Yeah. I've done some <laughs> that turn up, right? What have you turned up? Oh, easy. Easy it, relate. Right, so what we've got is um, this is an update on because we didn't know if he was the son of yeah. or whatever, you know what I mean? So, anyway, I've looked into a little bit more about it, right? <laughs> and he's what he's claiming is he says he apparently Ty DeLorean said, I've got to be careful what I say as I have people to protect. Mm. But the basic outline is that when he, John DeLorean, was in Northern Ireland, my mother briefly met him, and that's where I was conceived. Ooh, that's his claim. Oh, wow. That's his claim. Back inside at Kebab Shop. Exactly. So he, he thinks he is a member of the DeLorean family. He's right. just the illegitimate son of yeah, John yeah. DeLorean, sort of thing, right? But we need to. Well, now we found out a little bit more about the magic machine itself, because <laughs> what it is, he's been com- basically converting uh, Reliant Robins into DeLoreans. Oh, <laughs> I feel sorry for him now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Look, Dad, I can do it too. Yeah, <laughs> Reliant Robins is like, no, son, they're shit, <laughs> and I'm gonna sue you. So here's a little bit of the tech. Oh, they are powered by an 850cc engine. Right? <laughs> what? Isn't that really big? Oh, it's really small. Oh, is it? That's one, less than one litre. 
Oh, bless him. And in brackets to say, it's likely the original Reliant Motor, oh, right, <laughs> which yeah. has got 40 horsepower, right? 40. <laughs> but Ty claims his car can reach 100 miles per hour. No, what? <laughs> Falling down a cliff or something? <laughs> How can that? How can you push it that fast? <laughs> Tied to faulty horses. <laughs> so we, we doubt there's anyone willing to risk chasing even 88 mile an hour, right? Yeah. Which always the 88 was for the uh, DeLorean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're not going to do it. And so the, apparently the, the car also busts DMC branded carpets throughout. Oh, nice. Plush. And a fake flux capacitor in the Oh, bless Darcy's. <laughs> I wonder if it lights up and stuff. Last month, Ty claimed that his car would be ready in a year and would be capable of flight. <laughs> <laughs> He's off his knockers, isn't he? What's up with him? He reckons there's an electric variant in the works so soon, right? So he reckons there's going to be an electric version. Wait, of let's it. go back to flying. He said he's going to fly. He said he thinks he's going to fly. Whoa. How he is going to get this thing to fly, I have no idea. Oh, he's going to end up killing himself in it. No. But, well, that's, that's yeah, it, it could be a case he's just flying off a cliff or something. <laughs> Look, Dad! <laughs> I mean, it's so hard to make electric vehicles, you know what I mean? You've got yeah, to have yeah. big money. The only thing I can think about is just like he's got a boot full of batteries. Exactly. Or, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. or he's just going to scavenge for milk floats or something. <laughs> <laughs> but. According to a former schoolmate of Ty, the man claiming to be DeLorean's son is actually Ben Granger, <laughs> who legally changed his name to Tyler DeLorean via deed poll about a year ago. Knew it. We've also been given a look at the man's Facebook profile that gives evidence that Granger has changed his name, although we won't link that for the sake of privacy, as yeah, the yeah. article says. Granger grew up in Shropshire in England and attended Chantry High School. Our anonymous uh, source says he was always a bit crazy back then. <laughs> <laughs> back See, then. It, and it is noted that he's, he used to come up with extreme and outlandish stories. Oh, we've all known a few. So he's oh, a Billy Bullshitter, basically. Exactly. Oh, I'm bringing his mum into it like she's a bit of a floozy and know, stuff. Can you imagine how pissed off <laughs> his, his, his mum would be? Can you imagine if he, you know, he was like that reading? What's that? Oh, Ben's in news, you know. <laughs> What's he called? Himself? Ty DeLorean. Why Ty DeLorean? DeLorean. He's reckoning I'm shagged, John DeLorean. <laughs> it's, it's the briefly as well. He didn't even see the night. Does it? it seems like a couple of hours since she put out. You know, yeah, I'll say it's like John DeLorean. Give her one behind Ben's in a chippy or something. <laughs> oh. <laughs> a quick, quick scuttle. <laughs> totally left it. Skip. <laughs> see you, bye. <laughs> <laughs> just whizzes off in the DeLorean yeah. number plate spinning <laughs> tyre tractor that oh well well dug though well dug well so that's it I don't think we'll be actually hearing any more, anything more about Ty DeLorean and the DeLorean car until uh, it crashes until it, well there's yeah. going to be th- three one of a couple of things he's either going to just disappear into obscurity yeah He's uh, going to get a massive lawsuit against him. He's yeah. going to be totally bankrupt because I don't think he's got much money anyway. Oh. Or he's going to do himself a terrible, terrible injury yeah. in his silly little car. Yeah. Well, let's just hope. <laughs> or the Taliban buy it and that's yeah, it. And, make him. and they're flying around world and stuff. They're flying around world in DeLorean. What's <laughs> <laughs> the new Air Force? Proper hard, proper fearful of him and that. If he manages to make one of these fuckers fly, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Yeah.
<laughs> he does so, Jesus. You can't oh, no. just claim it and like have no idea. Do what you know you're what? Doing. I hope he does. I yeah, I do. Does. Yeah, fingers crossed for your tie. Get out there, mate. <laughs> make, make it fly. <laughs> news for you our kid though on the dating game Whoa, I know you married and everything but <laughs> <laughs> never stop me <laughs> yeah, I was honestly out <laughs> well there's a new uh, a new piece has been in a, like a science review mm-hmm. website right called cell.com right good news the dolphin clitoris has been discovered oh, <laughs> oh that's you're trying to find it yourself <laughs> <laughs> I thought I found it once with tongue it was just a barnacle <laughs> Dolphin clitters. Surely there's other things that could be doing with science. Why have they tried finding? Right, well, let's let, have a little look at the story first, right? So it says uh, in species that copulate during non conceptive periods, right? Yeah. So what that's basically saying is what's the point in having sex if you're not in season? Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean, yeah. right? Um, uh, humans and bonobos do this, right? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Humans, you know what we and you are? Yeah, you know, uh, bobos and boo-boos. Bonobos. Uh, what, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Say that word again. A bonobo. A, a bonobo? <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> I don't think I want to tell you. <laughs> That's troubling me. What is it? Bonobo, you haven't seen a bonobo? No. You seen cock on a bonobo. <laughs> <laughs> on the beak? <laughs> right, I'll tell you what a bonobo is. Fucking, that's me- making me head feel funny, is that word? <laughs> a bonobo is a type of chimpanzee. All right. But they're not all they're not all aggro like other chimps. Ah. They fuck all the time. They're rudy. They've, they've, great, they've created a society almost based on fucking. Jesus. <laughs> right. It's if, if like if have they got them big floppy noses? No, no, that's yeah. a proboscis monkey. Is that a what? Come <laughs> <laughs> here all day, huh? <laughs> 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 Fucking bonobo. So, but bonobo, what the bonobo society? What they do is it's got it's got to a point where, for example, the male will obviously want to fuck all the time, yeah, you know, yeah. but the females do. But what Ooh. the females have worked out is. Say, for example, if they want some food and the cat be asked looking for it, yeah. and a male's got some... I'll just suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> give it a quick paw. <laughs> we'll offer it up. They just turn and say, give, yeah. give us that for that. And so, so they'll, they'll, so it's got to the point where males are basically just going around with like a banana or a bit of food or something. Jesus. And, and then go, yeah, all right then. And while they're eating it, they're getting in the back, back scores. Wow, <laughs> just prostituting themselves out of a banana. Yeah, but they enjoy it. So this Ooh. is the thing. Bonobos, right, <laughs> are, are, are up for it. They just love it. Crikey. And, and if there's ever any aggro within this community, yeah. you know what I mean? Things are kicking off a bit. Things are getting a bit nasty. Everyone just starts to fuck. <laughs> 
it's not sort of no it's not that messy yeah, yeah. it's just sort of like so let's say like a peacekeeper a woman will come in so like blokes are getting a bit nasty mm. woman will come in and sort of a female bonobo will come and go oh hey, come on lads yeah leave it out put bananas in the middle and just choose a banana so she would basically offer it up and somebody give it a scuttle and all of a sudden they're not aggression's gone they're just smoking cigarettes and chilling out in trees and that that's it so bonobos are a brilliant brilliant creature what country are they from um I think they're from Bingley. I, say, I thought you were going to make up a name. I'm going to die. What do you think? I'll be rolling around in sand it's and everything. Africa. They are oh, from Africa. I, feel Africa. I don't know where in Africa, yeah, but they're, yeah, uh, they're yeah. in Africa. And they survive. They're just up in trees shagging all the time. Yeah, they're, oh, they're, they're a lot more, they reckon they're a lot more intelligent in yeah. some ways wow. than the chimpanzees, which they are very close, obviously very, very close cousins yeah. to them. They look like them. They just don't look as... Aggressive somehow. Yeah, they just look yeah. a little bit more chill. They do look a bit more chilled out. Massive teeth. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a sexy version of PG tits advert. <laughs> so anyway, back to the dolphins. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So so this um so such as uh, as we said before, such as humans and bonobos, sexual intercourse is known to be pleasurable for female dolphins. Nice. So dolphins also copulate throughout the year, right, uh, and largely to establish and maintain social bonds. Same reason. So they're putting out all the time. Well, is male dolphin pulling out and that then, or what? What? No. <laughs> you said there's seasons to mating. So if they're shagging all year round, is male dolphin like? Oh, pulling no. it out and splooging, you know. <laughs> all all over dolphin's tits. <laughs> yeah, boat method, all over tail. All over blow up. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> no, all <laughs> tail. <laughs> no, because it doesn't matter, because they're in season at certain times, just like humans are. So you can't yeah. get something like a, somebody, a woman pregnant all the time. Can't you? Well, these are these, all the, these optimal time. Well, well, I won't go I know. <laughs> I like seeing you squirm. <laughs> But say so when the dolphins are in season, then they're really up for sort of mating. Right, yeah. But the female dolphins are using sex yeah. as um, a, as a bonding thing anyway. They're right. just using it. They're just putting out for sex at all yeah. times anyway, just yeah. because ticks all boxes. They, they enjoy it. Yeah, they enjoy it. Everybody's chill. enjoying it. They're having fun, especially because it's got a nice big clit. <laughs> <laughs> so in dolphins, the clitoris is positioned in the anterior aspect of the vaginal entrance. So that's like near the front, near the top sort of thing. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? It's all like where it, where we, we well. I've never found it. <laughs> We're supposed to be. Yeah. You know that map I got drawn? <laughs> the treasure map. So it's where physical contact and stimulation during copulation is likely. So it's like when they're having sex, it, it gets rubbed sort of thing. Wait, where's the poon? Is it underneath it or is it at the top of it? Wow, well, the hell did all this do <laughs> Right, get this though. Clitoral stimulation seems to be important during female female sexual interactions Whoa. in common bottlenose dolphins cool <laughs> which rub each other's clitorises using snouts flippers and flukes oh <laughs> flukes um, side, sort of, side, side sort of like um, uh, side flippers of flippers yeah, <laughs> oh yeah it's all that sort of stuff basically yeah no way probably lezzing it out yeah. can I say that now <laughs> yeah beat that one <laughs> No, I think we're all right. We're, I think we just said. I don't think we pissed somebody off. Yeah, pissed somebody true. off with a beat. <laughs> and so, determining uh, determining a sexual pleasure response in animals is not amenable to neurobehavioural examination is difficult. Yeah. So, for example, it's not like I can put a special helmet on it and bring it off. 
<laughs> right, we've got the uh, we've got the little brain scanner on the dolphin there. Uh, Trevor, will you just wipe that dolphin off for us? <laughs> <laughs> Not with your mouth, Trevor. <laughs> Dirty Trev. Uh, investigation of the clitoris may elucidate evidence of functionality. So the thing, it's, it's open to it. I think they're, they're going to have to sort of find out what it's for a little bit more. So, so basically, well, they, they found they, they sort of found that these like um, uh, nerve bundles, all that sort of stuff. Every yeah. sort of extra sort of he's a pleasure organ, really. Wow. That's what they're sort of found, really. <laughs> their observation suggests the clitoris of dolphins has well developed erectile spaces, so it can get a bit en- en- engorged, <laughs> and is highly sensitive to tactile stimulation, and is likely functional. Wow! So that's it. In fact, do they seem like monkey gates? The dolphins. Um, I don't know if I did that when I've heard that male dolphins will rape another male dolphins and they will attack its blowhole. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? It's like, whoa, that's like that's proper rough, isn't like, it? You yeah. know what I mean? That's someone like your nose or something. They are, they, are, they are mega rough. They're, yeah. they're, they're rough shaggers. Okay. And they, they're the only, they will wank off with things like herring and mackerel and stuff like <laughs> Flippers again. Yeah, well, what, a lot of the time, what they do is because they're so sort of skillful at what they do to hunters and things, they kind of hunt a bigger or, or a different fish. Yeah, yeah. Pin it to the the floor so they get on top of it, like pin it down and sort of like basically shag it. Oh. But they, they, it does result in quite often the death of other creatures. Jesus, there, sounds but. like Tom Cruise again. <laughs> well, well, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> I still can't get my head around that. <laughs> but um, but yes, yeah, so it's, it's like the, but the, the questions are remaining. It's like um, who found it? That's yeah, the first one. Like who true. found it first? Yeah. Right. What's it smell like? Yeah. <laughs> well, how they found it? Because it's like only one. The jam. smell. <laughs> Sniff it out. <laughs> so yeah, and why they found it? It's like somebody's yeah. spending. Oh, I can imagine you've got a proper hourly rate, got a wage, and what you do? What are you doing now this weekend, there, mate? Oh right, a busy week, busy week. Yeah, it's uh, looking for a dolphin's clip. <laughs> Give over. I suppose if you look at it, they are so you know intelligent. The neighbors, it is kind of big news actually, isn't it? You know, if they are performing like that, it does give us a lot of information about you know the you know like the social times. <laughs> no, no, you do. It does. Yeah. You're absolutely right because it shows that a more advanced sort of like species like humans mm. and bonobos and dolphins <laughs> and stuff uh sex is a it's like a free commodity yeah if yeah. you see what i mean it's something that they enjoy and it's something that they can barter with you know so and also create social bonds so aliens are gonna be proper dirty bastards aren't they i think if anything that isn't gonna be on that wow you know there's gonna be, be all a, the genitals if, if there's any aliens kicking about mm. i think the police see that as quite a base kind of yeah, you know, animalistic. And yeah, and I think I think he, I think even amongst humans, you know, if you look at what sort of like their trade-off for certain things, mm. he's, we're getting to a point. I mean, if you look at like uh, more advanced cultures or societies, where unfortunately the, the side result of these things is that people become a lot more solitary. Mm. So as people become a lot more cerebral and living in the minds a lot more, yeah. um, they're actually sort of like shunning sex and the need for sex. Crikey. Which isn't good for no, society in yeah. some ways, you know what I mean? But it's like it shows that people are finding other things are stimulating them more than sex. Yeah. So it's, it used to be that everything was all about sex, wasn't it? Well, yeah. about having kids, having budget and shagging, you know, and that was it. Mm-hmm. But now people are, are, are finding different payoffs. But then you see, that could be the, that could be the death of humanity. You know what yeah. I mean? Our, um, uh, our sort of 
fertility rates are really going down. You know, the standard mm-hmm. crash. Some societies have become what we call geriatric societies, where they are just yeah, Japan, Japan and Japan, that. Japan, yeah, yeah, this is it. Yeah, it's going to be well full of chavs in it with all them banging away. <laughs> <laughs> No one's going to stop them, is it? Well, hands down, trackies all the time. Bunch of fiddling around. Isn't it? Just one look at a chav girl, she's pregnant. Well, the weird thing is, if you think about certain societies, as in sort of like where, I mean, a chav's a bit mean, but you know. <laughs> but I, I say what you They like, are mean. Uh, they really mean. They're having to stab you up. <laughs> but if you think, look at, at, at societies where there's no money. So what have they got to trade or work with or do? Uh, it's like I'm not saying I'm not necessarily like you know like the, the terminally unemployed and just <laughs> watching TV and fucking. <laughs> but he's looking for he's looking for stimulation. Yeah. He's like bored people with nothing to do and little to trade, for example. Yeah. Uh, he, and which you could actually go back in time to sort of like the time serfs and the peasantry, if you like. Mm. You know what I mean? Back in sort of like the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th century or something. People. What did they just have loads of kids? Yeah. And it was within their interest to have loads of shag and have loads of kids yeah. because a lot of them were going to die. Yeah. And also, I mean, look at what else, what else is prevalent in bored societies drug use, alcohol yeah. use, um, violence, yeah. things like that. It just comes about from being bored. Yeah. <laughs> no, I sure can see it anyway. Whereas people who are more cerebrally stimulated aren't going to be sort of indulging in such base behaviours, as you might say. Hmm, interesting, so, Arkin. <laughs> no, I like that. It makes yeah. sense, makes sense. Yeah, that's it. So, like I say, fucking a chaff. Rudy little tracks at But again, that is another thing that flips on from people um, who are into eugenics, which is the sort of study of, which is something that the Nazis were sort of really into, was eugenics. And it's um, people who believe certain physical traits within yourself or where you are within society it makes yeah. you a better or a worse person. Yeah, so shape of head and all that sort of stuff. That's it, shape yeah. And the, you know, shape of the nose, the, the common, most common trope of that was the claim that Jewish people had big hooked noses and things yeah. like that. And that that feature in themselves, obviously all wrong, yeah, absolutely yeah. wrong. Yeah. Um, in some way said how they are as a society people yeah, as a society yeah. what we're doing you know those I mean? pictures were well grim when they used yeah. to draw like Jews and still are there even more so now mm-hmm. they're still out there oh. but no the a, a big fear you see is a very common trope that works out, works out as well is that these people are worried that the poorer populations having loads of kids and it, it, this also goes with immigration as well people yeah. say oh god you've got like immigrant families coming over here and, th- and they're having loads and loads of kids and mm-hmm. you know but poorer members of society, and it sometimes is it's just facts of life. A lot of immigrants who come over are poorer because they're coming from you know they're starting off economically yeah. on the back foot. They quite often do have larger families. Yeah. Uh, second and third generations of immigrant families usually have a lot less kids, yeah, but yeah. they might start off as they did wherever they've come from yeah. because it's a poor area. Yeah. They need to have children. Blah blah blah. It's just the old rules, isn't it? Yeah, but this is the problem that you had with um, rich people. And one of the biggest fears is the fact that, oh, you know, the poor will take over the world because they're having lots of loads of kids. Is is even a society that we're discussing having lots and lots of children or getting the more intelligent people to breed and have bright children. Man, didn't you mention this one? We Mensa or something like that? It's Mensa. That's absolutely right. Because they had the fear that the lower as they class lower classes and less intelligent people were having all the kids and as a result were diluting the intelligence of the human race wow. which is nice that's really it? bad yeah. and there was somebody um else who decided he was going to actually create hundreds if not thousands of children right epstein 
That was his master plan. Oh, uh, that's that boy from Brazil? It's exactly what he was trying to do. That was his intention. He he decided he was a superior being. And he that's one of his things. He wanted to get thousands of women pregnant with his children. And he would have thousands of little Epsteins running around. And they would all be genetically him. And they would be superior beings. Man, he's scared. Because we still don't really know too much about him, do we? You know, no. where he got his money and stuff. He's crazy. There's, there's a lot of stuff to well, he, Wall Street was where he mainly made his money. Oh, yeah. he was, he was, I think he was a teacher to start with. Mm. But then he started sort of cooking the books sort of things and started playing the uh, play, playing Wall Street a little bit yeah. and all this sort of stuff. But um, he, he, a lot of the trading he did was off the back of other people. Mm. And he did swindle a load of people at one point. Did ah, Epstein. And, uh, but he's, this is one for another show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or another podcast. <laughs> 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 but like, Let's, let's stick with the creepy creatures. Yeah. But uh, as a result of that, though, well, I think God, the, the reason, that the reason so is it's all happening again because mm. people, basically dumb people, are seeing things on the internet. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know... It's, bored people on the internet. people on the Have internet. Have a wank. Come on. <laughs> get it out of your system. <laughs> you take, take a leaf out of the bonobo or the dolphins. But yeah, just yeah. Get out Rub one off. <laughs> <laughs> So there's a lot to be said for intelligence. Mm, I, d- I don't know because I ain't got any. <laughs> You're a bright Benny. Yeah, really. I know. It's not conventionally. I just can't talk. can't talk. But if you look online, it's mainly there's a lot of thick people out there. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it does it, seem a breeding ground. For yeah. The, the, one of the things I always hate is a phrase that people say, "I'm entitled to my opinion." Yeah. And I always yeah, think, yeah. "Yeah, you are, but yeah. you're not entitled to share it." Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's true. It's true. And that really? platform on the internet just seems like the, the green light for it. So a great one here is that the uh, one of my favourite group. The Flat Earthers. <laughs> They're at it again, and the Flat Earthers. How many times does it want to get proved? They've got a new theory. Right. And this theory is that trees don't exist. Oh, <laughs> bloody hell. Oh, that's so annoying. Right. So something, this is from Sam Chris for The Atlantic, right? So I'm just going to pick apart bits, bits and bobs of what he's had to say, because he's, <laughs> he's really covered this, right? Because he's saying something tremendous is happening. Over the last few weeks, without too many of its globe-headed detractors noticing, a surprisingly vast community on the tattered fringes of intellectual orthodoxy is in turmoil. A bizarre new theory has turned the flat earth upside down. The flat earth is still flat, but now it's dotted with tiny imitations of the truly enormous trees that once covered the continents and which in our deforested age we can hardly even remember. Mm, lost nope. there. Proper lost. Right, well what I'm going to do is just going to go through this and there's basically a, a guy has made a little film online right? and we'll, I'll try and find a link to this, this, this little film. What he's claiming is that what we think of as his big trees aren't big at all I said, these are like little stumpy fuckers, right? These are just oh, basically yeah. shrubbery and bushes, right? <laughs> that are covering the flat earth, right? He mm. still believes in flat earth, yeah. yeah. But what you're saying is the real trees, the real forests of the earth were massive. So it's like the the Ents walked off and... <laughs> well, he, he, his claim 
this guy is from the Crimea, is this chap, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is. I've got a little alarm bells ringing there. The fact it's from Russia and a bit of Russian disinformation yeah. is something we've, we've looked at in the past. You know what I mean? They'll they'll, love it. Yeah, they'll love it. So, what, what his main claim is, is all around the earth there are these tree stumps, right? Yeah. Now, have you ever seen uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Yes. The Nutters Knoll sort of thing, the yeah. Devil's. Uh, what's it called? I forgot what it's called now. What's it? Devil's Tower in Wyoming, yeah. right? Now, if you look at it, I'll show you this picture now. That's the Devil's Tower. <laughs> and look at, but I'll look around it. Tree stumps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's just a shape, isn't he? You know what I mean? That's he's a tree trunk, isn't it? That, that is a tree trunk. Tree trunk. Tree trunk. Devil's Tower. Tree yeah, trunk. Yeah. Mm. But look at this one down here. Whoa, what's that? That's nearly two miles across. <gasps> what? Yes. That does look pretty tree trunky. I'll it give you that. It does look tree trunky, doesn't it? You know what I mean? I've, I find I've got one more picture Jesus. I can show you. There, that one sort of. Uh... Yeah. Well, basically, yeah. on the, on this video, particular video, um, no, I won't, I won't go into it. There's no point going into it. All, you yeah. know I mean, it's mental. Um, but um, you, do, they do look like anything of these almost like basalt, great big outcrops of rock. These things. That thrust up in the middle of nowhere, you know. Mm. The reason they're thrusting up, as we, as you may or may not know, some of them are a result of volcanic uh, action, yeah. which was also created in the um, Gévaudan region, you know, which is uh, uh, a volcanic region because it's the massive centrale of uh, um, France. Mm -hmm. And that's also sort of an area where these great big basalt towers thrust up out of the rock to just heights of hundreds, even not even thousands of feet. Mm -hmm. And then the because of volcanic action, what they do is it's quite often as a central core of molten stone, which solidifies. It's come from, you know, the the bowels of the earth and yeah. thrust of this super hard rock. Then all the softer rock and earth around it erodes away, leaving these towers. Yeah, and not a pointy mountain. Not just a, a flat, a flat yeah, like top. A yeah, that's it. Yeah, trunk shape. Things that call it a mesa. I can't remember what they call it. Right, it's the Mexican yeah. version of it. But these and that they do happen everywhere. They happen yeah. all over the world. These these it's towers. Just science. But it's just, <laughs> exactly, you know. But these guys, the flat earthers. Um, believe they're not these. There's, a, there's thousands of them believe this now. Believe that there was this super giant forest that went 10, 15 miles into the sky. That is so fucking ridiculous. But yeah, it is, yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. It's, it is super ridiculous. Um, but this is the part of the thing of the flat Earth. It's hard work, isn't it? To yeah. sort of like to, they're all, they're even believing in a flat Earth is hard work. Are they saying that basically when we got rid of trees because before you could see them? You know what I mean? If you'd look across the uh, flat uh, Earth, yeah, you'd see, see the, the big trees. The big trees, you know. Oh, what I mean? But they the, the think some unknown cataclysm occurred thousands and thousands of years ago, yeah. and all that's left are these stumps. Because on the only reason they've got to go off is because they look a bit like a giant tree oh, stump. They're absolutely off their heads, yeah. aren't they? Well, what it is, it's the mindset of people who. Are, the finding is there's some quite a lot of commonality between the flat earthers as a mindset and the way they think. Yeah. Is if they can't see it with their own eyes, it kind of doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. And because they're actually. And the flip side of it is they're seeing something with their eyes and they think, that looks like a tree stump. And something in their head just clicks and goes, therefore it is. Yeah, especially that bit when they're looking at the world like 
they're telling us lies. Everything they've said, I've proved it before about the lies, and now I need to look at it with my own eyes and make shit up. Well, this is this is another, this is a, a sad sort of um, bounce back of what's happening with people anyways. That these people don't trust anybody anymore. Yeah. And it's a real sad thing. And if you if you present them with the facts of anything, mm-hmm. they're going to find a flip side exactly. to it. Same as the anti-vax movement. About to say, yeah. are you vaxxed much? You know what I mean? They could be well-handed and, aren't they? Of course it is. It's, it's, these people basically doubt everything they've been told within society now. Mm. Everything. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they're like reverse barometers. Mm. It's a case where, you know, you tell them one thing, they're going to think the opposite straight away. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I just think the opposite. And yeah. it's, it's tragic. But then again, that's the problem with a, with a group of people who've been lied to. We've exactly. all been lied to constantly. Yeah, yeah. So at what point do you find it's easy it just with a, with a broad brush say, I don't believe anything the government tells us anymore yeah. now for example if a big van came down our road now you know said I'm, I'm sorry there's been there's a flash flood coming on there's a nuclear disaster yeah. you've got to get out of your house there'd be plenty of people probably out bollocks I'm exactly. not going anywhere to yeah. lie they yeah. might just sort of like all the hair and teeth fall out but you know you, the, this is the issue we have it's like yeah. the disinformation of lies and this is why the whole issue with the Boris party gate exactly because it's when people, when people say oh it's only this thing it's only had a party come on move on no, it's, it's evidence of lying, yeah. and that's what we need to get away from. We need to be a bit more open and honest. Exactly. That's, that's it's been a fucking shit show anyway, hasn't it? And then yeah. putting that at the end of it, you're just like, oh, you, you couldn't have made it worse. Couldn't have made it worse. But that, and then that's the issue we have with um, the Flat Earthers believing in these giant trees. That's crazy. Do you think some? Do they think some massive dude chopped them down then, or just? I some, think they think some either like a but massive. Um, Meteor came along, and knocked everything down, it's or weird, massive blast. You know, because yeah, it's like a, it's like it's being chopped, though, isn't it? It don't make no sense that you know you'd like uproot it, wouldn't it? If you got hit well, by well in a weird way, they have found loads of sort of forests um, which look like that, which look like they're being felled, oh, and right, you think yeah. you know. Um, but they haven't, they've just been so well, or we presume they haven't, yeah. but they are fossilized forests of stone. Right. Yet they um, they look like they've been just chopped down like that, wow. and, you sort of, and they don't know why. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's a strange sort of thing. The only other thing you could perhaps think about is if they had turned to stone while they were tall, perhaps you know weren't quite as, and then they could sort of fracture off. You know, like a big rock might just slide yeah, and crack yeah, yeah. and slide, and that'd create a sort of chopped yeah. effect. You know, one thing I found really interesting is that the reason why, as you probably know, the reason why we have coal is it's you know what sort of tree the coal is made of. In it, that monkey puzzle tree. It's made a monkey puzzle, yeah. But the reason why it's compressed to make coal is because we had trees before we had the bacteria that broke them down. Wow. So, so trees they couldn't are just, could rot. Wow. So they just fall down in the forest and just live. Jesus. <laughs> but then more trees had grown on top of them and on top of them and fall down and fall wow. down and over millions of years. And they just compress. Just for our fires. Just for our fires. <laughs> just for you. We're getting your nice little stove. I, I heard it the other day. That forests are alive and they're all talking to each other with the fungus underneath the root system. That was on the, the Green Planet last Were week. It? Yeah. Well, I just saw like a, someone had robbed it on a bloody line or something. I just saw a really snippet of it. I thought, that kind of makes sense, does that? It's, it's absolutely 100% true. Wow. All is the, it? It was, it's what's called mycelium, is what yeah. the actual sort of uh, fungus threads are. And they tap into all the trees. All the forests are all connected with all the wow. different bits of trees and stuff. What they've even discovered is a two-way street because this mycelium, this, these threads, are taking almost like a sugary food. Yeah. They're feeding off the trees, but the, the trees are feeding them yeah. because it always works as like a neural pathway for them. Yeah, so they can, the trees are talking to each other. My God. But what even to a point 
which would blew my mind when I watched it, is there was um, say for example, if like an say an oak, right, yeah. dropped off an acorn, and the acorn landed sort of like I don't know a few, you know, twenty meters away, and it gets on the ground, it starts to sort of burrow. The mycelium connects to that nut and to that thing, right? Yeah. The feet, the tree that dropped the acorn can sometimes recognise their own acorn, oh. know it's their child, man. and pump extra food towards <gasps> that area. Oh my god, Matt. That's like, that is proper magical order ring shit, isn't it? it is. But that feeling when you go into a forest sometimes and you, you know, like it's, you disturb someone, it's just gone quiet or it's watching you. Yes. It's, yeah, exactly. It's there, yeah. isn't it? That's it's, true. The potential is there. Wow. Well, they even, had, even went down, they had one on that show where it's, I don't want to just cover like the, the green planet, yeah, yeah. but it's, they had um, some, um, the nettle patch, they had a nettle patch growing, you know, which one of the first yeah. things that grows in springs, a big old nettle patch. Then they had this, a strangler plant yeah. would grow up around it using the nettles as like a, a almost like sort of structure structural sort of support yeah. like a little vine thing grows up and starts to suck the juices out of the nettle wow right? all these little probes go into the nettle and start sucking the juices yeah. and then it grabs on another nettle and another nettle and another nettle right, right. Yeah. and so it's just connected all these nettles but then if a caterpillar and it doesn't kill it, it just kind of hangs there like that <laughs> but then if a caterpillar comes along and starts eating one nettle Right, what the nettle's defense mechanism is, it creates like a bitter enzyme or a bit of something bitter so that when yeah. it's, it can't eat it anyway, I think it's just too horrible, I can't eat it. Wow. That nettle then, or through this, this weed, this strangler weed, learns that that one's created bitterness. Yeah. It tells all the other nettles it's connected to, we're under attack. Wow. But as a community, when we're under attack, we need to sort of. And like, that's a communication method, is yes. that other plant? Oh, that's so all, yeah, that? all, they're all basically talking to each other. So if you like in a forest, you start cutting down one tree, all the other trees know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to do it to like trees. Get you. <laughs> 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 a branch right away, Jackson. <laughs> though not all theories that sound mental are without sort of scientific merit mm. surely let's put let's put it that way you know because there's a theory here right there's a paper it's published in the journal progress in biophysics and molecular biology titled cause of the cambrian explosion right now what the cambrian explosion was it was a time in it's an epoch isn't it i think they believe they call it a Cam uh, the cambrian you like jurassic oh right it's yes. like that. the cambrian was a, a, an, an era and yeah. i think i think they do call it an epoch um correct me if i'm wrong there listeners they're wondering why during that time so many creatures just kind of came into being just sort of pinged into occurrence what, just like what kind of creatures T-Rexes or like... No, chips. no, the Cambrian, there was, uh, there was, there were different sort of creatures. I think what it is, it basically was a become quite temperate or a, a, a time that was... Mammally or what, reptile Um, I don't, I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what kind of story is this? <laughs> what? Basically, what? I don't fucking know, right? <laughs> Right, so what we'll do is do a quick bit of research. Oh. 
Right, it looks like the Cambrian period was mega, mega millions of years ago, before the dinosaurs and stuff oh, like right. that, right, sort of thing. Better. Apparently the, the real big one for the um, was the trilobite. Oh, yes. Yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. lots of creatures of that period. Just like a big start in it. Of, yeah. That's it. There was yeah. something that happened there, and they're thinking, well, how the hell did they... And it, uh, it looks like the Cambrian explosion was this massive thing where I think before they were just grubby little things doofing around, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And next thing you know, I think the trilobites, um, called trilobites, because there's three lobes, there's three sections, it's like a three-sectioned animal. Right, yeah. And it'd be, and it'd be like a head body section and a tail section sort of yeah. thing. That's the way they kind of class it, which a lot of insects and creatures are still yeah. sort of formed in that particular way now. Um, but they couldn't figure out why it is during that period that um, yeah, what's what started it all off, kicked right? Kicked it off. What, what kicked it all off, right? And so one of the, one of the this argument is, it says, is it, was it terrestrial or was it cosmic? Ooh. So the what he says, the paper digs deep into the origin of life on Earth, and as a result, it posits that life began thanks to a, a rain of retroviruses, which literally fell from space. Oh, cool! So these are sort of like little germs and little sort of like, um, um, but the, it's like living matter still. You know what I mean? Wow. So, for example, if you think a retrovirus is like coronavirus is a retrovirus. Yeah. Obviously, it's like little packets of information and DNA and things yeah, like that yeah. that come along. And, and as we've already seen just in the last year or two, it changes really quickly. Yeah, yeah, you know, true. It, yeah. And it, of course, when it changes, it can actually change other things as well. It might change our behaviour and things like that. Yeah. What the thinking is, these retroviruses then added new DNA sequences to, to, to terrestrial genomes. So they did alter the, the creatures of the time, their DNA. Yeah, so like with some little fucking slug or something like that, then suddenly it's getting yeah. infected and it's turning into like a snail or something. It's like pimping it, it out. That's actually a really good, yeah, good, yeah. Well, good way of thinking about it, actually. Mm. That is a really, really good way of thinking about it. It's yeah. a simple way. <laughs> <laughs> But what they also go as far as to say is, because the way this, um, it, it's, the theory is called panspermia, which is basically <laughs> sperm from the stars. <laughs> or star seeding, as it's known as. Whoa. Which is the idea that, say, for example, if you had, one part of the theory is that it's just natural DNA and, and living matter to float around in the sky. Yeah, like freeze dried up there, just dormant. You know, or, it, or just life is everywhere. It's you know, freeze dried and dormant, ready to just land as dust. Yeah. And that Cosmic dust. cum shot. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> but the other idea is that, say, that you've got another planet, say, like Earth. Yeah. Uh, and suddenly a massive meteorite comes and just completely twats us, right? Yeah. The explosion shoves loads of physical matter out into space. Yeah. Now we found Mars rocks on Earth yeah. because something's hit Mars, ejected a load of rock into us, it's fallen into our so wow. into our orbit and just landed on Earth as just matter. You know, that's crazy. And that's such a connection, like yeah. But yeah. if there was natural, say for example, as living microbe, well, like, things like what's his name's um, uh, the the uh, what you know, the water is it the water bears? What are they called those little sort of uh, tardigrades? Oh yeah, the tardigrades. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, we have yes. Oh, because sea monkeys are an incredibly hardy creature. You can buy them in the post. Yeah, and they're freeze dried. And they're freeze dried. So, yeah, so, so you get something like that, that could float around in space for God knows how long. Cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but when they land in the right conditions, they come back to life. Little packets of DNA. Can they go to our. Um, also atmosphere. Leave, thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, they can because one of, the, one of the big fallacies about the atmosphere 
he's that um, people Everything think burns he burns up. up. He doesn't. If you come in slow and steady, slow and steady, yeah. just fall like dust, yeah, and that's right. it. You, yeah. you know, Rather than shooting at high speeds, yeah, that's like it. Fragments. You can just drift down. Yeah, just yeah. drift down from space. Like wow. Thing. You know what I mean? So that's it's like, cool. It's, it's, it's just a bit, just a bit mad in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love it. But so that's what they're thinking. It's, it's you know, there could be a planet that was just smashed to smithereens, yeah. billions of years old. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and all that's happened is the fragments have flown through space, finally reached and here. You know. Yeah. But one of the theories is because certain things are so weird that perhaps something was in like hunks, like a big meteorite with water in it, for example. You know what I mean? Yeah. An ice meteorite. What's to say there's not eggs in that water? Wow. That water was might have been ejected from massive alien sea yeah. thrust into space frozen solid the yeah. eggs within it stay <laughs> and that's are lobsters or something. that's why we've got lobsters <laughs> it is as simple think that. that's where octopus might have come from <gasps> wow I've heard that before that octopus are just not from this world they're just absolutely bizarre creatures well it's, it's, it's the, the fact they've completely taken a brand new way of living and growing and becoming yeah, completely yeah. different path to us they've been super successful yeah. highly intelligent wow. um, I mean the only thing for, for me that gets me about octopus which we have mentioned before is if they lived long enough how bright could they be yeah, but yeah. Uh, have you seen on uh, what's his name on Netflix My Octopus Teacher I still haven't seen it no oh god you've got to watch it it's heartbreaking is but, it oh it's brilliant it's brilliant brilliant yeah, it's I don't I'll cry it's flat but yeah it's, it's well worth a visit is that's really really good you know yeah. but what these but the my only part of this which i can't agree with it's it's in a weird way you can compare what what this little paper that they've done here since it's come from out space yes it could have come from out space yeah. these eggs could have just kind of popped into being you know from a melted out sort of meteorite or something uh -huh. you know but what these scientists are looking at here is there's no evidence Mm. So what they're doing is the same thing as those tree stumps. They're looking at something, looks strange to them, they jump into a conclusion. Looks alien, yeah. maybe it's alien. Yeah. No, it's not to say it isn't, yeah. but it's a leap to say Yeah, you can't just start blagging it, yeah. can you, about it? But one, one thing that it can be quite nice is the fact is this paper is uh, the cause of camera and explosion, is it terrestrial or cosmic? It's an argument, it's a discussion. Yeah, yeah. That's what's important, yeah. right? But that's not the only sea creature that people think is from space. Mm. Because there's talk here that penguins might be aliens. <laughs> <laughs> what fucking weird shit is that? But he, you go back to that, um, I'll call it Cthulhu Lovecraft. Yeah. He did a really gross story about these giant penguins in South Pole. Oh, it was fucking really? sick. It was it in it the real... mountains of madness. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's horrible, isn't it? Really fucking. You could almost that... smell that story, couldn't yeah, you? It was horrible. Yeah, absolutely vile. Yeah. yeah. But it's. it's yeah, I, I can't remember. Penguins in it Because the thing is with um, penguins, it's the way they move and the way they act and the way they're in a, in a, it's like yeah. a little like, a pack creature, you know. And it's it's an odd thing. It's an odd thing for a bird to sort of like go to, if you like. I mean, you can see. I can see how the uh, the how they've evolved yeah. to be what they are. Because if you look at, like, for example, on um, the Galapagos Islands, yes, there they have one of my favourite birds, the cormorant. Right. And the bird, the cormorants there have developed a wingless now. Wow. So, the, but the cormorants that landed there could fly, but they've got to a point where they don't use the wings. All they do, they're mainly a seagoing creature now, so they've just stopped right. using the wings. So, in a matter of a few thousand years, they just stopped being able to fly. Wow, it's a big know? thing and all, isn't it? So you yeah. can fly. Isn't it? 
Yeah. Well, this is it. I don't know if you know, like with Darwin's theories, is that one of the main ones he used was this, the finches. Yeah. And the, the into the bills of the finches, spe known species went and flew to the Galapagos, yeah. and they started using the, the beaks for different sort of to, sort of like tap into different ecological niches to get yeah. certain fruits or berries or insects or whatever it might be after. Mm -hmm. But the beaks became bigger and smaller. Um, just like a, like created a different tool, yeah, but genetically yeah. it altered itself to allow itself to evolve, yeah. and that's where his proof of evolution came from. Was the, the mainly through the finches, wow, but yeah. there was a lot of other things, like for example the marine iguana. There's a lizard, which just an iguana just got obviously was on a last, last, like a raft or a log or something like yeah. that. Accidentally got wafted all the way across the Galapagos, landed, yeah. and it's trying to find food. Can't find food. Yeah. So at the shoreline, it's starting to eat just bits of seaweed. And the seaweed's highly nutritious, it's kind of munching away on that. How do you get more seaweed? I've eaten all the seaweed at the shoreline. And well, you know, I'll just paddle in a little bit. Yeah. And eat some more seaweed. And it learned to swim. And it learned to swim. But <laughs> not only that, the issue you've got is it's the amount of salt that's in the sea. And if you eat loads of salty water, loads of yeah. salty seaweed, with go no fresh crazy. water, what do you eat? You go crazy, you just yeah. die, everything pack in. They have developed a gland which sorts out the salt, and then to blast it. So if you watch a lot of um, um, uh, marine iguanas, they're sitting around just blowing the nose all the time. Wow, and, and that's the salt. And the salt coming out. Blowing the nose Yeah, you're, just, you're watching them just sit there and go, <laughs> and, and shit ton of salt just <laughs> come blasting out the snouts, oh, right? Swimming lizards doing nothing. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's how they've done it. They've evolved to sort of like, wow, you know. that's fucking clever, isn't it? Yeah, that? so the penguin in itself, I can see how they've evolved their yeah. feathers have become really like, there's a one layer of feathers on the top, it's sort of watertight and compact. Yeah. And underneath is a thick, fluffy layer, super, super thick, fluffy layer of fluffy feathers. So they're not flight feathers anymore, it's just insulation, yeah, yeah. you know? Uh, and, and what, are you saying that they had space feathers and they flew here and they were like, <laughs> Well, I'll tell you why they seem to think they're from space. <laughs> it's because in their bird poo, yeah. they've found phosphine, right? Right. The main place to find phosphine in the solar system is Venus. Oh, that's so fucking cool. <laughs> it's Penguins Venus. are from Venus. Not women. <laughs> Penguins. <laughs> <laughs> Penguins, they're thinking for some reason or other, they don't know why, they don't know how the phosphine has got into their guts. Now the only way we can create phosphine is in a laboratory, right, uh, in an oxygen-free environment in a laboratory by adding it's something to phosphorus, yeah. right, and phosphorus, it goes, you're like a metal yeah, when yeah. it flares like fucking one of the things it gives off is phosphine. But there is also, in certain creatures' guts, it can theoretically occur under the right conditions, yeah. but these conditions out there in the, for the for the penguin, it shouldn't be doing it. It shouldn't be creating phosphine. Now, recently they've discovered the odd thing is with Venus, is they've looked at it recently and cloud trumps. Kind of yes, yeah. they're thinking that's what they've detected. The phosphine is is certain biological activity occurring in Venus. Yeah. Or on Venus, we can't see through it because it's just clouds. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? All the way down to the, until the clouds become so dense that they become some form of solid. But they don't know whether it's actually got a surface to live upon or swim in. Uh -huh. So they don't know. Super cold. You Super know what cold. I mean? That's it. it. Could be chilly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, uh, the, the, I think the atmosphere. There's, there's a lot in the atmosphere. Very similar to our own atmosphere. Is it? Right, very yeah. similar. A lot to do with Venus, which is a very strange place. How could they get here? The spacecraft or something. Well, they used to pets. say that there's something not actually in the penguin form, 
Mm. It could be, or we could look back at what we talked about with the octopus earlier. It could be that something like mm. a, a, something cho- changed their DNA that was star seeded, landed down, yeah. attacked what creature could have been the, yeah. uh, the early form of penguin, or the, and then it's changed something. It's gut it. to, so it's got Venus guts. Wow. <laughs> could be like that. Sending the penguins, you have to fly them back or something. Imagine if you just sort of. Just approach you right, out in the Antarctic, right, middle of nowhere. You know, you've walked, you've been, been sort of marching out into the Arctic, the Antarctic tundra, yeah. and then you find all these penguins, all stood there, all emperor penguins, like four feet high, stood there, and then you sort of turn around and say to them, "Games up, lads. Yeah. We know you're from Venus. We'll pull out laser guns and shit. <laughs> oh no! Or they all just turn, all thousands of them turn and look at you and start marching towards you. <laughs> I don't know, it's like that story again. They kill little cuties, though, aren't the penguins? They're funny, oh, they're awesome. They make me fucking laugh. Yeah, <laughs> make me laugh. <laughs> no, no. You see that recent one with that one's on the iceberg and it's floating and all. It, it just gets off in time. Yeah. It's really it's just funny. Yeah. <laughs> simple. <laughs> see that one. Penguin Town as well. We watch Penguin Town. I watch it, kids. It's like in South Africa. This this town that's full of penguins. You know what I mean? They get up to all sorts of mischief. <laughs> They get up to all <laughs> sorts do. of mischief. <laughs> they do, they're really funny. Oh dear. <laughs> right then, our kid, it's that time. Oh, that time already? It is that time already. Wowzers, that's gone fast. Yeah, that's gone fast. yeah, I know, enjoying ourselves. Big deep talks today. Yeah, big deep, deep talks. Yeah. You know? But if you want to join the conversation, um, you can uh, contact us at crackandcovepodcast at gmail.com or um, you can send us a message on Twitter at crackandcove or on Instagram at crackandcovepod. And of course, as we always say, you can always find us on the most satanic of Facebooks. Yeah. Send us a message there. But it's, it's quite a good thing about Facebook is we can post a link so people can, yeah. can just click on a link. I know that's why quite, how quite a lot of people do listen to it. Oh, just do right. the Facebook link. Yeah. Just have a little click on that. Easy as breakfast. Mm. Found it and then you, you sit back and have a listen. Well, fair play yeah. to it. Yeah, so it's, it's okay. It works. It's, like, it's like all the internet. It can be a right twat if that's what you use it for. Yeah, I personally love the internet. You won't be listening to this without the internet. Yeah. yeah. So you know what I mean. I, I well, think it's quite good. Some... Another good thing on the internet. Oh, what's that? The occasional glimpses of the sublime. Mm-hmm. Now I can highly recommend this blog. Right, right. And because it is run, written by, and curated by our friend Deep Dive Dave. No way. Yeah, honestly, it's it's really, really well worth a oh, read. Is cool. this right? So, um, is it a full website? Is it a blog on a website? It's, it's a blog. So I think it's actually. Um, I think the website of it is it's a www.occasionalglimpses.com. That's right. where that's where you're going to find it. Um, but he's he, he doesn't post all the time, don't Dave on that. It's yeah. not like he's, he's posting all the time. But what he but does, when he, he gets it, he, he just cherry picks his his, yeah. his interests, which yeah. I, I find really really good, you know. And he's actually very talented musically. Is oh, Dave? Right. He's been in bands and stuff like this before, you know. My but, word! But his interests run 
oh my god, across the board of all sorts of weird <laughs> stuff, you know what I mean? So you don't know what you're going to get, you yeah, know? Yeah. And recently Dave has blown me away by putting on a poem which I've never heard before. Yeah. And uh, he's written a piece about it here. And uh, I've just been in touch with Dave this morning and he has very, very kindly given us permission to oh, read his piece and, yeah, yeah. and he's created a soundscape to Ooh, go with it. So cheers, our Dave. Yeah, so it's like... Um, I'm going to read the piece first, you know, and yeah. then this is, um, uh, and then what we'll do is we'll, we'll have a listen to that. That, that sounds Ooh, well, like a yeah. bit of poetry. So this is, as I said before, it's occasional glimpses of the sublime by uh, Deep Dive Dave, and uh, this piece is about Edwin Muir, I think it is M U I R. Mm. I think it's Muir. Um, it's his poem, 1956 poem, The Horses. And Dave says, despite being a natural optimist. I have, for some reason, always been attracted by the genre of dystopian fiction. Us too, we hmm. in dystopia. Although I'm not the only one judging by the enduring popularity of dystopian classics such as Orwell's seminal 1984, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451, one of my favourites, yeah. you know, Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale, I don't really think I've heard of it. I don't know what brilliant. it is. Brilliant. Is it? Yeah, well, it's, it, I think it should be on the curriculum. Oh, it might even be on the curriculum to read. Yeah. It's brilliant book. Oh, wow. The TV series is good. Read the book. Yeah. Is it a comic? <laughs> yes. <laughs> there, probably, there will be a graphic novel of it yeah, somewhere. Yeah. But I, I highly recommend you read the book. Yeah, I know. It's, I like it's to read. brilliantly written. Ooh. It's brilliantly written. And also, uh, John Wyndham's The Chrysalids. Which is uh, well, which is that. well, that is uh, yeah, it's just it's it's have you know it's it's yeah. really good. I've done 1984 a few times, I've Brave New World a couple of times. Yeah, and really like them. Especially 1984, that always always it troubles me. And it always yeah. brings me back to it. it it's, it's incredible, is that? Well, mm. well, uh, those well, all of those uh, those recommendations. Fahrenheit 451, superb book. Let me see superb movie. Superb yeah. film. It's yeah, I've got to Love the film. Francois Truffaut, isn't it? I believe it is. Yeah. It's not since a kid since I've seen it. So moving on, so it says, so the inspiration in forming this genre comes from many and varied sources, including, just for starters, the rise of industrial-scale warfare in world wars, and the development of the atom bomb, totalitarianism, AI and big tech, genetic engineering and deadly viruses, the surveillance society and climate change. It seems we have a perpetual collective curiosity and fear about where our society might be going. Now, is it, uh, another good one out at the moment, dystopian fiction, is, uh, I can't remember the, uh, the author, but it's Station Eleven. Mm. Apparently that's on, uh, is it Amazon at the moment? Have you got Amazon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. apparently it's on Station Eleven, that's All a good right. dystopian series that started. Excellent that book, is that, Station Eleven. Oh, you need, I mean, people will be able to find out who's the, who's the author of that. Yeah. It's dead easy, but it's, it's, that's a good dystopian, a bit more modern dystopia, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean, as in, as in more recently written than a lot of these. So I'll just chuck my hat into the ring with that one. <laughs> Dave goes on. The genre extends to poetry too, which I didn't know. Wow. Dystopian poetry, right? And at school, I became aware of this enigmatic poem called The Horses by Scottish poet Edwin Muir, born 1887, died 1959. So this, this was written three years before he died, was wow. this one. Muir was born on the island of Orkney and had an idyllic childhood, which was curtailed in 1901 when his father lost the family farm and they had to move to Glasgow. Oof. For Muir, this was a move from Eden to hell. Within a few short years, his father, two brothers, and finally his mother died in quick succession. 
and meanwhile he had to endure a series of mundane jobs in factories and offices. And I know how you feel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it fucking sucks. <laughs> Such a change in his life must have had profound effects on his future poetic works. Although balanced by the happiness that he eventually found when he met his wife, the translator and writer Willa Anderson. He found great purpose with Willa and teamed up with her to translate the works of many notable German-speaking authors like Franz Kafka. Excellent. Have you read any Kafka? No, no. Oh, I think it's The Transformation. Ooh. It's incredible. The Trial, I believe. There's, there's a few of Kafka's work. Brilliant. I highly recommend Franz oh, Kafka. Oh, nice. I'll dip really in strange. It's one, yeah. I think it's The Transformation, where he, he basically wakes up in the morning, he's transformed into a giant beetle. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it's absolutely terrifying. Oh. You know... <laughs> And anyway, although I haven't read much of Muir's work, the poem that found its way into my schoolboy hands nonetheless stayed with me as a slightly disturbing piece of weird and prophetic dystopia right up to the present day. The poem gets stuck in from the stat. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I want to slip a fucking tea. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Everyone he'd come and think, oh, I'll just have a little sip. You can't leave it alone. <laughs> it's constant. It's input of constant things. I think I'll watch them all day. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the poem gets stuck in from the start. Barely a 12 month after the seven days war that puts the world to sleep. So no messing. We know where we are. We're in a bleak post-apocalyptic world. And then the very next line of the poem wastes no time by introducing the horses of the title. Late in the evening, the strange horses came. Thereafter, 50 lines of an imaginative conception of what it might be like to be in a post-apocalyptic world, but with added strange horses. Of course, interpretation of the poem and what the horses represent is entirely up to the reader. A few years ago, I wrote an electronic soundscape to catch the poem's atmosphere and to accompany a reading of the poem. More recently, I revisited this recording and noodled about with some of the images and footage, and I've set it to video, which I'd like to share with you here. I like to think I have captured the mood of Muir's poem, and I hope you will approve. Ooh, God, right. I'm getting excited for yeah. these. So, what we'll do is I'll do a link. I'll do a link to this on um, the, the, the website. <laughs> Your tea. I know, I didn't do it on purpose. Right, go on, have some tea. Just, this is fucking sick. Better. <laughs> it's that noise I'm going to have to edit out. <laughs> <laughs> or enlarge it. <laughs> right, anyway, let's get in the movie. Yes, please, I'm ready now. Because we've got, so this is going to be Edwin Muir's The Horses, as read yes. by Dave. Cool. Uh, and with his added soundscape, right? So, um... Barely a twelve month after the seven days war that put the world to sleep, late in the evening the strange horses came. By then we had made our covenant with silence, but in the first few days it was so still, we listened to our breathing and were afraid. On the second day the radios failed, we turned the knobs, no answer. On the third day a warship passed us heading north dead bodies piled on the decks. On the sixth day, a plane plunged over us into the sea, and thereafter, nothing. The radio's dumb, 
and still they stand in corners of our kitchens and stand perhaps turned on in a million rooms all over the world. But now if they should speak, if on a sudden they should speak again, if on the stroke of noon a voice should speak, we would not listen. We would not let it bring that old bad world that swallowed its children quick at one great gulp. We would not have it again. Sometimes we think of the nations lying asleep, curled blindly in impenetrable sorrow, and then the thought confounds us with its strangeness. The tractors lie about our fields. At evening, they look like dank sea monsters, couched and waiting. We leave them where they are and let them rust. They'll moulder away and be like other loam. We make our oxen drag our rusty ploughs, long laid aside. We have gone back far past our father's land. And then, that evening late in the summer, the strange horses came. We heard a distant tapping on the road, a deepening drumming. It stopped, went on again, and at the corner changed to hollow thunder. We saw the heads like a wild wave charging and were afraid. We had sold our horses in our father's time to buy new tractors. Now they were strange to us, as fabulous steeds set on an ancient shield or illustrations in a book of knights. We did not dare go near them. Yet they waited, stubborn and shy, as if they had been sent by an old command to find our whereabouts and that long-lost archaic companionship. In the first moment we had never a thought that they were creatures to be owned and used. Among them were some half a dozen colts, dropped in some wilderness of the broken world, yet new as if they had come from their own Eden. Since then they have pulled our ploughs and borne our loads, but that free servitude still can pierce our hearts. Our life has changed. They're coming. Our beginning. God, how good is that, huh? Wow, that were a lot. It's, that were a lot of feelings there. <laughs> that were God. Mad, isn't it? Then the strange fucking horses came out. No. Oh no. Yeah, because it, it is so strange. It's, there's something strange about a horse. Mm. There's something sort of ethereal and sort of almost ghostly about it. You sort of, if you've ever been in a situation where you're just walking through like a field or something yeah. like that, and suddenly there's a horse just standing there, you yeah, think, yeah. what the fuck are you up to? Something. Yeah. Yeah. It would just kick the shit out of you, wouldn't it? Oh, if yeah. Wanted to, yeah, know, that's really. it. If you had a mind to, you know, I've nearly, I've, I've nearly been killed by a horse twice. Oh, come on. <laughs> the one was when I was out mountain biking and, and these riders had come along and we were on the path mm. and we were sort of like pulling to one side, but then the horse suddenly got spooked, yeah. rapidly turned around and kicked towards my head. Ah. And I just, just sort of, I just moved my head, yeah, yeah. and he wasn't like as it was sort of like some ninja move. He just, yeah, just sort natural, of like, yeah. yeah, not the first time. Uh, that was the second time. The first time when I was a kid, I, were, I tra got trapped in a field where yeah. a horse had a, a foal. Oh my god! And this horse had obviously decided I was going to do harm to the horse, yeah. and it wouldn't let me go. It, it just oh, came out. I was in the field for about an hour, and every time I tried to sort of move one way or another, this horse had just kind of. Well, go rear up and sort yeah, of like yeah. you know whinny and so and he'd just be staring. So I tried walking back, but no, he wasn't having it. 
Ah. And if I tried walking forward, that were it. He, he just thought, and it was between me and its foal. Oh, and man. it just saw me as a, you know, and it, that I thought, this is gonna, this is it. And it. Eventually, what happened, it moved away, it lost interest and moved yeah. away a bit. That was about an hour. But these horses, these particular horses, if you think of what they are and what they're like and what, you know, weird and strange, aren't they? I just, I just love that idea that you used to have that kinship with them, you know what I mean? Or they were as slaves in another sense, but then that freedom of them coming back and them was just like, we don't really understand them again. Yeah. God, it's, it, the whole, the all of it, you know, the, the countdown with the days and the boat and the plane and stuff, it's just like, Jesus, life is beautiful, but we make it so grim, can't we? You know, humanity can make it I, so I totally grim. agree with that, yeah. You know, and I think it's like what they said before as well, as if the, if the radios did crackle into life and they wouldn't welcome that world back yeah, anymore. They yeah. just say, you know, that one, it's sort of like... Uh, it's full of lies and it's full of war, isn't it? You yeah. know, it's like even what's happening now with Buddy Rushy, you know what I mean? It's just like... Yeah, we need like a reset of some sort, but without a catastrophic loss of life. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know I mean? yeah. yeah. Can't we just have a normal or nice one? Yeah, I think it is. We're tying ourselves in knots so tightly that it sometimes strangles. Yeah, man. Simplicity is the way forward. Exactly. And what could be more simple than a lovely uh, little picnic? Yeah. And a wank. <laughs> Very simple. Doesn't it say it to the beginning? <laughs> it just doesn't say it. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> so I just want to say again, um, many, many thanks to Deep Dive Air for that. For yeah, you to use his words and soundscape. Oh, it's brilliant. Superb. Yeah, the noise was brilliant. Yeah, really enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, thanks very much. And uh, again, if you wanted to find out where Deep Dive Dave is, it's uh, www.occasionalglimpses.com, and then you can find all kinds of. I, I could actually just do a podcast just using his materials. Yeah, you know, yeah. He's, he's so, oh, so good. Yeah, you know, mainly it's, it's worth a little nosy. Yeah. So, so right. I think without further ado, I'm going to say after that, I'll, hopefully a big bye bye isn't going to be like um, a dystopian bye bye. Yeah, scary bye byes. Because we've got the simple life on the lighthouse. You see. Yeah. Nice and simply. That's all we should be. And take a leaf out of our books, guys. Simple life is the best life. So it's going to be a big bye bye from Matt. And it's a bigger bye bye from Benny. <laughs> Take care, guys. <laughs> there are three ways you may contact Kraken Coles. Either by email at podcast at gmail.com. On Twitter at Kraken Coles. Or Instagram at Kraken Cold Pod. Ha ha!